Old Testament passage today picks up in Exodus chapter 23, verse 10, as Moses continues to lay out the law for the people of Israel. He said, For six years you shall sow your land and gather its yield. But in the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. You shall do likewise in your vineyard and in your olive tree. So in other words, God says six years you work and harvest, and then on the seventh year you rest and relax. Now, there was a reason for that. There were no fertilizers in that day. Now, if you planted the crops every single year, you overfarmed the land, and literally the land would die. The nutrients would leave the land. But by allowing the land to lie fallow, that which grew up naturally would grow up, and either the poor would come and get it, or the beasts of the field would come and eat it and leave their droppings, or the vineyards would drop its grapes on the ground and it would again become fertilizer. In other words, it was a long-term self-perpetuating economic cycle. Now, I'm not sure exactly how you would apply all of this today, but I would tell you that this, you know, we get the concept of sabbatical from this principle, from the seventh year rest. But I want you to also notice uh, this was to help the poor. And not only was there, a, and there were many different tithes in the Bible. Under the law, there was not just the Abrahamic tithe, that was the tithe of our relationship with God. There was also, under the law, a tithe for the poor once every three years. So in addition to the once every three-year tithe, that was a special tithe to help the poor, once every seven years, the ground was to lie fallow so that the poor could eat. Now, one of the things that you have to learn to do is, how can a I leave what the Bible would call gleanings, and how can I leave something for the poor? In other words, you should not harvest everything that you've got. You have to let other people have a little bit. You know, some, please forgive me, some businessmen are so greedy they have to sop up every little bit of business. Well, why not let somebody else have a little bit of the business, all right? Six days you should do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. And the purpose of it Your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant and the alien may also be refreshed. So we work six, and we rest one. Now, you know, there are some people that have gone out and said, at COP, we don't allow the staff to have a day off. Folks, that's not true. <laughs> okay. We always encourage our staff. In fact, if you talk to the pastors, I'm always getting after them. Because sometimes you don't let us have a day off. Now, please don't get mad at me. But I know during COVID-19, we've just been flat out just trying to take care of the needs of people. But now the things are lifting a little bit. Uh, let's maybe not have weddings on Mondays and let's maybe not schedule things on Mondays. Let's maybe let the pastors have their Mondays off. Thank you. Pay attention to all that I have said to you. All right, pay attention. Those are big words. And make no mention of the name of other gods. Now, now this is a big thing. Nor let it be heard on your lips. I don't think that we should be going around talking about demon gods, okay? I, I just, it, you, you've never heard me teach a, a class on, on all of the occult and demonic and stuff because th this is one of those verses that got me when I was a young man. 
not sure that we're supposed to go around talking about all these demon gods. I think we should be going around talking about God. Three times a year you should keep a feast to me. You should keep the feast of the unleavened bread as I commanded you, and you shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty-handed. So when you come before God with an offering. Now that also ties into the book of Malachi. All right? You should keep the feast of harvest of the first fruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field. And you should keep the feast of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in from the field the fruit of your labor. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord. Now here's a, a special time for men. We, we like to do that at COP. Three times a year, all the guys gather together and we just have a special men's time. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened. Leaven is a type of sin. He said, I don't want you to put sin or anything that would be representative of sin in any sacrifice. People say, well, Pastor Summer, how about if I take money that I stole and I bring that as an offering to God? No, that would be an offering with sin. Or let the fat of my feast remain until morning. In other words, hey, when you've made an offering, you do the offering, okay? You go ahead and burn it on the altar. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. Now, let's talk about the best of the first fruits. Now, th this is a doctrine that you don't hear me talk about because I, I really get tired of it being exploited, all right? You know, there are churches that where they do a first fruits offering twice a year and the offering goes to the pastor. And, you know, I, I've never liked that, all right? If you were going to ask me, what is the first fruits? Well, in an agricultural society, the first fruits would be the, the first part of every harvest, the first part of a rice harvest you would, you would bring to the Lord. But in a society like ours, you know, it might be the first paycheck of a, of a new job or the first paycheck or the first commission of a new set of sales. Okay. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Now, this is why the Jews do not have meat and dairy at the same meal or even in the same restaurant okay behold i send an angel before you to guard you on your way and to bring you to the place that i have prepared pay careful attention to him and you know what i forgot to put that up there so let me get this up there for you for just a second all right verse 20 behold i send an angel to guard you on your way and to bring you to the place that i have prepared be careful pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. So obey this angel. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemy and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes out before you and brings you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will blot them out. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do. All right? So don't bow down to their gods. Don't serve their gods. And don't imitate their culture. Don't do as they do. Okay? He said, listen, I don't want you to pick up the culture of these nations that I'm driving out before you. I'm driving them out before you for a reason. But you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. 
You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and water, and I will take away sickness from among you. I like that. That is a beautiful promise of God. It's one of the favorite pocket promises of my grandma. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and water, and I will take sickness away from among you. I like that. He will take sickness away from among us. Yeah, Father. Take this COVID away from among us in Jesus' name. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which will drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites before you. I will not drive them out before you in one year, Okay, now here's a great truth. Lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply you. So this is going to be progressive fulfillment of a promise. Now, sometimes we God makes this big promise to us. And we go, God, why isn't it all happening right now? Because we couldn't handle it. We, we, we don't have the knowledge, we don't have the infrastructure, we don't have the finances, we don't have the abilities. We're not capable, all right? So he said, I don't want the land to become desolate and the wild beasts multiply. He said, no, he said, I'm going to drive them out a little at a time. As you, as you are able to take more of the land, I will drive out more from before you. In fact, it was not until King David that the entire promised land had been taken. Little by little, I will drive them out before you. So he, he says, listen, this is going to be a little by little. Don't be upset when God fulfills a big promise, little by little, as your capabilities grow. Now, let me say that again. Little by little, as your capabilities grow, God's promise will be more fulfilled. Let me say that again. Little by little, as your capabilities grow, you will see more unfolding of the promise. Verse 31, and I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates, for I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, they will surely be a snare to you. Now God says, listen, I want you to live separated lives for a reason. He didn't say he never wanted them to talk to these people, but he said, I don't want them to live among you. Now, brothers and sisters, Paul teaches us, come out and be separate, saith the Lord. Now, he's not saying that we should never talk to an unsafe person or we don't talk. We can't live like that. I mean, you got to get on a jeepney. You got to get in an Uber. You got to get on the LRT and the MRT. I mean, come on. You got to walk up and buy something in the, in the food court. I mean, come on. But you don't have to live among them. You don't have to focus your life among the unsaved. Because you know what? Lest they make you sin against me. There's always this pressure. We were talking about it the other night. There's always this pressure to conform to the world. This is why our life should be lived among believers. Yes, we have all these acquaintances out here that are unsaved and we're friendly to them and we're kind to them and we're gracious to them and we share the gospel with them, but we live our lives 
with believers. Chapter 24, verse 1. Then he said to Moses, come up to the Lord. Well, now there's quite an invitation. Wow, what an invitation. Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice, All the words the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning, and he built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Now notice he got the young men involved. He said, listen, this, this can't just be a decision of this generation. We've got to, have to make sure that the next generation is a part of this. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with these words. Because remember, without the blood, there can be no covenant. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and seven of the elders of Israel went up. And they saw, ah, this is the most amazing. This is, one of, this is one of these passages that every time I read it, it blows my mind. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet as if it were a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heavens for clearness. They saw God. <laughs> Can you imagine? They saw God. And he did not lay his hand on the chief of the men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and they ate and drank. Now, What do you do with that verse? They sat down in the presence of God and had lunch. I mean, what do you do with that verse? When people want to talk about the God's not real, these people sat there in the very presence of God. And they sat down and had lunch. <laughs> I sometimes like to call this the Last Supper, and this is just my idea, for Israel. Just sitting down, having a meal with God. Just, just, just hanging out with God. Brothers and sisters, one day when we get to heaven, we're going to understand just how much God wants us. I really don't believe the average Christian, number one, understands how real he is. And number two, how much he wants to hang out with us, how much he wants to be with you. You and I were created for fellowship. And the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let them go to him. Go to them. All right, all right. So here we, I'm going to be absent. 
So here is leadership. Principle. Never leave people without designated leadership. Because when you do, you're going to have problems. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now that's interesting. On the seventh day, on the day of rest, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. <laughs> so Moses um, had an encounter with God on the seventh day. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. They all saw this. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. This must have been, you know, maybe when we get to heaven, we'll ask Moses what that was like. But, you know, by that time, we'll be experiencing it too. All right. Let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. But tonight, I've learned it's true what my Lola John used to say. Ooh, nothing's quite as good until you give it away. Truth were told, take whatever you have. 
New Testament passage picks up today in Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 1. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, he said, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified, will be. He said, this is something you know. He said, now listen, I've told you about this many times. He said, we've, we've discussed this many, many times. He said, so this is something you know. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. Okay, so they plotted by stealth, and their purpose was to kill him. Their method is by stealth. Now, one of the things you always hear me teach is stay away from secret meetings. Okay, anything people are wanting to do in secret, there's nothing good that's going to come out of it. But they said, not during the feast, let there, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. When the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? All right, so the disciples have a bad attitude with Jesus their opinion. Now, the source of their opinion was Judas's opinion. And Judas got his opinion because he was a thief. Now, I want you to see something here. I want you to see how contagious 
a bad attitude is. Did the disciples love Jesus? Yes. Were they committed to Jesus? Yes. Were they loyal to Jesus? Yes. But they got a bad attitude with Jesus from an opinion. And then an opinion was contagious. And when you put the other Gospels together with it, you find that Judas started all of this. And Judas was a thief. Now, you have to be careful when there's somebody going around spreading their contagious bad attitude. Their bad attitude that is an opinion. It has nothing to do with right and wrong. It has nothing to do with sin and righteousness. It's just a bad attitude. So Judas, because he was a thief, that was the source of his bad attitude. The source of his bad attitude was his own sin. All right, The source of Judas's opinion, his own sin. But that does not mean that he can't spread that bad attitude. That bad attitude became contagious to the other disciples. So next thing you know, all of these guys joined in with Judas. And in their opinion, they're, they're challenging and they're criticizing Jesus. Now, leaders, this is something you're going to have to get used to. There will be people who will say critical things against you simply because their attitudes have been polluted. They've gotten, forgive me, Bad attitudes are more contagious than COVID-19, all right? Somebody who had sin in their life developed a bad attitude. And that bad attitude that flowed from the sin in their own heart, they then began to spread. And before long, people that will love you as a leader, forgive me, they will, they will say something harsh with you. And you just have to understand, let's just hold steady in this. They said, for this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. Now, it's, it's always amazing to me, thieves, always concerned about spiritual words. Now, most people don't know how to stand up against spiritual words. We could give this to the poor. See, mo most people, that would buckle them right then. Because, well, you know, how do you argue with that? I mean, those are spiritual words. But Jesus aware of this. Jesus didn't bow to what I would call the manipulation of spiritual words. Jesus aware of this said to them, why do you trouble this woman? All right, so Jesus' first concern was protect the giver. Protect the woman. For she has done a beautiful thing for me. Hey, this woman's done nothing wrong. Why are you attacking her? Now, I, I like that. Jesus' first response was not to defend himself. Jesus' first response was to defend the woman. All right, so first response. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. All right, so now he answers the spiritual words. Okay, he answers. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. He said, now listen, I've been talking to you that I'm going to be delivered to be crucified. Remember, I've been telling you this. Now, th this, these are the days in which this is happening, all right? He said, these are the days when this is going on. So you have to expect some things to be a little different right now. She's done it to prepare me for burial. All right, so we've defended the woman. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. 
No backing down. I like Jesus. He said, you, you want to criticize me for this? I'll tell you what. We're going to tell the whole world for the rest of eternity about it. He said, you want to make me embarrassed about this? We're going to tell the whole world for the rest of eternity about it. I like Jesus. <laughs> okay, just, okay. Tell you what. Jesus says, I am not ashamed. This was the right thing to do. It would tell it to the world. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest. Now notice, then. Here is the trigger of rebellion, the trigger of betrayal. Now, the trigger of betrayal is correction. The cause of betrayal is always money and or power. You look at somebody who's involved in betrayal and rebellion, there's always a money desire. You always find a desire for money. They want more money. Then, so Judas has been corrected. He sees he's not going to get this money. Then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. All right, so he got rich. He rebelled. He had a price. Remember a truth. Rebellion has a price. Many people will join you in a rebellion with the offer of funds. You make promises to people and they will join you. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now, on the first day of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did it. Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. Now, th this is very important. This is going to be in the Essene community. Another one of the Gospels tells us that you'll see a man carrying water. Only the Essene men carried water. Other than that, that was only a woman's work. He went to the most devout area for the Last Supper. Now, why? Because he knows he's in danger. Now, now, folks, Jesus Jesus walked in faith, but Jesus did not walk in foolishness. He knew he needed this evening. He knew that the arrest was going to be that night. He knew what was coming, but he needed time to teach his disciples. Remember the big, huge sermon that takes place in the, in the upper room? I mean, one of the longest, if not the longest sermon that Jesus teaches that we have the record of. Tremendous truths are laid out there in the upper room. All of this is laid out, and he needs time to do it, and he needs a place of safety and security. So he didn't go someplace controlled by the Romans, and he didn't go someplace controlled by anybody except the most devout religious people. Now, by devout religious, I'm not talking about, you know, the Sanhedrin. I'm talking about the Essene community. These were men that truly lived their Judaistic faith in Jesus' day. So he went there, a place of safety and security. 
And the disciples did as Jesus directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Verse 20, when it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, he didn't say all of you, but just one of you. And they were all very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, is that I, Lord? And he answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. This is why we always show you this is where Judas was sitting, because he had to sit in a place that he could dip his bread in the bowl of Jesus. The Son of Man goes as that is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And he said to him, You have said so. Jesus was straight. Jesus was a straight talker. You have said so. Verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine, until that day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful truths today. How do you know, I could teach like hours through all of this stuff. But let's move quickly to Proverbs for the sake of time today. Now, you ended it quickly yesterday with Sister Bev, but this is the words of an adulterous woman. An adulterous woman. This woman says, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings and colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. She wanted an all-night, all-night sex. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. She says, all right, it's safe. She says, I am available and wanting. Now, men, please listen to me. A lot of men can't stand up to that kind of pressure. The woman comes out acting all spiritual And she says, listen, I really want I really want to spend an all-night sex trade with you. Oh, I really want this. I've laid everything out. Everything's prepared. Everything's wonderful. And there's no way we're going to get caught. My friends, don't listen to that. If some woman comes along and says, come on, let's go. Let's go to the motel. Don't listen to that. This is nothing but destruction in your life. Men, there are a few things that will destroy your life and your marriage more than sexual immorality. In fact, really, I can't think of anything that will destroy your life, your career, your family, like sexual immorality. Learn the Joseph Principle. 
learn to run. Don't sit there and look at the opportunity. Run in Jesus' name. All right. We'll see you tonight in the service. We're going to have a wonderful time preaching on how to prepare yourself for intercession. We'll see you tonight.